Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Welcome to the Film Realist Podcast, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody that's hopefully for somebody. This week's episode will be a review of the brand new film that I fortunately was able to be at the world premiere of at the Toronto International Film Festival. That is Boy Kills World, the first action film starring Bill Skarsgård. I'm really excited to talk about this. This is the pretty significant thing that I was able to be a part of. And I was even able to ask the director and the producers a question about the film, which will be slated between the spoilers and the non-spoiler section of the review. As always, those time codes will be listed in the description. Let's waste no more time and get into the non-spoiler review for Boy Kills World. Boy Kills World is the film feature debut for Moritz Moore. And as mentioned, stars Bill Skarsgård, as well as Jessica Roth, Yayan Ruhian, Isaiah Mustafa, and my boy, Andrew Koji of Warrior, Famke Johnson, Brett Gelman, Chantal Copley, Quinn Copeland, and Michelle Dockery, who was in a film I absolutely love from, I think it came out in 2019, with The Gentleman, directed and written by Guy Ritchie. But let's not waste any time just listing out the cast. What did I think about the film with no specific plot details? What's most interesting to me about this movie is that I was unable to find an official trailer release. There is one on YouTube, but it is compressed to all hell. And there's not it's (laughs) there is a I wouldn't even say there's spoilers because, again, the rule with this channel is If it's in a trailer, it's not a spoiler. It's just a part of the marketing material. So a substantial amount is in that. So I don't really want to address that content or that any of those plot details because they could ruin your initial reaction to the film. So I'm just going to talk about as per usual generalities. First off, Bill Skarsgård clearly got into the action star fitness regimen that so many, ironically, even including his brother, got into Alexander with the legend of Tarzan, but from your John Wicks to your Mr. Nobodies to your Atomic Blondes, clearly Bill put in the work and it certainly shows where, if you're following on Twitter, I did put out a brief reaction to the film, but Boy Kills World, while could appear to be just a simple revenge action film, has many more layers than I initially expected and each and all of its action set pieces are really unique with what they do with the characters as well as what is used throughout the fight scenes, whether that be props or the environment. Each of them is so unique and distinct in its own right that they are impossible to look away from. One thing that I was not expecting when seeing the film, and I probably should have given that Sam Raimi is a producer, but this... (laughs) These action scenes in this film are not for the faint of heart. The amount of graphic violence in them to me was, I wouldn't say off-putting, but as somebody who can sometimes be squeamish with film gore, at times there were instances where I did have to turn away. And there's one sequence in particular that I almost pretty much watched through with my hands over my face. And I'll talk more about that in spoilers. But overall, what... I enjoyed most about the movie is that there are clearly so many different genre influences and typically that can come off as being redundant to some degree where 
you can see, oh, this filmmaker clearly was a fan of this, or the studio went, we want a film that resembles John Wick or this 8711 or 87 North style of action film. And because there are so many different influences, the amalgamation or the melting pot that everyone involved with this film was able to create is something really fun and entertaining. I like the fact that the simplicity to the story makes it really easy to follow. And given that the character of Boy, played by Bill Skarsgård, is in every single sequence, you are able to follow along through his entire character journey. So nothing gets lost. Anything that is confusing to him is confusing to the viewer. And as more plot points are revealed or twists occur, you're experiencing with him all at once. So it's a very personable experience. Outside of that, I think the supporting cast is really cool. Each of the Vanderkoys, who are the family that rule the post-apocalyptic world that the film does take place in, are caricatures of people you would see in this kind of film. And each of them is played so well, and they're so funny. Particularly, Brett Gelman and Chartel Copley are really funny. Between the character dynamics of them and everyone else that they have in the Vanderkoy family, they are such caricatures, but they're so deliciously evil, but also complete free thinkers, at least attempting to be. But ultimately, they sit lower on the tier of the hierarchy of power, quote unquote, with that family. So getting to see the antagonistic relationships that they have with everybody is really fun to watch. As somebody who enjoys graphic novels and comic books, there are a lot of elements in this film that are very much so like that, where... If you've read a Frank Miller comic, I mean a substantial amount of those, or anyone with just one lead protagonist, they typically have some, some form of narration. And this is one detail that is in the trailer that I am going to address, that because Boy is mute and deaf, there is a narration over the entire film as he is experiencing everything. And it, I would say most of the time, overall enhances the performance that Bill Skarsgård is presenting throughout the whole film. There are times I think that they don't necessarily match up. It is an area of a film where if you are adding narration later on, the director did indicate that most of that was in the script. But of course, because we know that rewrites as well as any post-production or additional dialogue replacement or ADR do occur. There are times where I don't think it necessarily lines up, but those sequences are far and few in between. So I don't think it overall hurts the film. Given the fact that I did see this at midnight, it was the film moves at a breakneck breakneck pace at only 111 minutes. I thought we were getting to the conclusion about halfway through and was pleasantly surprised to realize we had many more events happening. One character that I did address in my tweet was that Andrew Koji, who is of course known for doing action in all of Warrior. He was even a stunt double for Han in the Fast and Furious films before that, and then, of course, was Storm Shadow in the very disappointing Snake Eyes origin story that Andrew cl can clearly handle his action chops. And he does not play any a character of any sort of physical prowess. There are reasons for that that I can address in the spoiler section of the review, but he plays a substantially larger comedic role than anything we've seen from him before. Of course, if you are a fan of Warrior, like I am, you know that he has funny interactions with characters in that world, but 99% of what he says is done comedically, and I think it's really 
fun to get to see a different side of Andrew. I know he's spoken more recently in articles. I think there was some in inverse and screen rant about not always wanting to do action. And the fact that the producers have, have indicated that one of the reasons he wanted to do the film was to do something more comedic and be significantly almost not at all involved in the action sequences was fun to see a different side of him. And fortunately, I because it was successful, hopefully for him further down the line does not mean that he is pigeonholed into just doing action, even though I do really hope that he eventually becomes the Marvel Cinematic Universe's version of Iron Fist, which would be amazing. I think all the villains in this are good, as I've mentioned Charlotte Copley and Brett Gelman already, but there are details that I can't talk about without getting into spoilers, so I hope that I gave a good indication of how I felt about the film in a general sense, and so if that sounds exciting to you and you want to hear more about that, I'm going to jump into spoilers. If not, you can skip the spoiler section and just listen to the outro. Needless to say, Boy Kills World, I think will play really well in theaters with a full crowd late on a Saturday or Friday evening, or if you choose to eventually watch it on streaming, I would highly recommend seeing, seeing it on the big screen because of the spectacle and the entertainment value that the film is able to present. It works for me, and you are certainly getting a recommendation from this film realist. That's it for non-spoilers. I'm going to get into spoilers and ruin all the plot twists or whatnot, or more specifics about one super grotesque action sequence. Let's get into spoilers. You had mentioned that Bill had never done action before, and I know Anthony Koji is, is sort of known for doing action. What led to him having a more comedic role in this film? I hope I'm not going to ruin anything here, but... When I saw Koji, sort of, I watched the show and I was like, yeah, he's good, but he's like an action star, right? We can't put an action star like right next to Bill Skarsgård. He might be better. Like, we, we don't know yet. We, it's it's going to be weird if we cast somebody that is, and Koji is barely fighting, like a little, but not really. So it was like, and that, that was a moment, it was like, we need to do something about that, that the reason why doesn't fight and that's why we put this little ankle bracelet on him and giving him a limb so he basically had a reason not to fight and not to yeah you do put bill up against one of the the, the great martial art fighters of all time though, exactly yeah, exactly yeah but that's, that's he's fair. also fun that's that's, uh, that's the thing yeah. oh, sorry what was that album what? so koji's also pretty funny so yes koji pretty yeah. i mean brought that character first table read we're like what the hell is this? And he just nailed it. And actually, Koji didn't want to do any action in this movie. That was one of his requirements, too. He's like, yeah, I'm known for a warrior and stuff. He goes, I just want, I want to act. And yeah. what, what he did on that table read, we're all just like, what, who is this guy? What's this yeah. character? He, he really, uh, I mean, he basically was in character the first time I was on call with him. And I didn't realize up until I was in Cape Town. And everybody who had worked with him on Warrior, that he, they also shot in Cape Town. Uh, said like, I don't know that guy. He's, he's different this time around. So uh, then I realized, oh, he was a character the entire time. And uh, he really, I can only underline that he really, in my opinion, knocked it out of the park. Like his whole, I love, and he brought so much to the table that I didn't, couldn't even expect. Like uh, the way it was written was a little less funny than he is now. <laughs> he literally added up the whole time. Yeah, added a lot. We were just recording his lines because there was gold. Yeah. And the hardest part was choosing which one steps yeah, find use.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that little bit of my uh, question for the producers. Apologies for the sound. I should have recorded myself, but I didn't. But it did address uh, something I clearly was curious about. Being a fan of Andrew Koji was how was he more significantly involved in comedy and how did that come to be? The producers confirmed it, as I mentioned in non-spoilers, that he was interested in doing something different and not an action-heavy role. And that's some of the first spoilers I can address, which is that when Boy meets him, as he's on this mission to kill all of the Vanderkoys, Andrew is a captive of the camp or it's a, it seems to be like a gun assembly in a gun, like a firearm assembly uh, prison. And he is one of the people there and he's got a almost cuffed boot on his ankle, which gives the character a limp, which is addressed in the sound clip. And so it was interesting that they gave him a more distinct character, physical feature to help it, Explain potentially, I guess, for his fans why he's not involved in the action. We do see him later on using firearms, but outside of that, there is no martial arts from Andrew Koji whatsoever, which, of course, was a little bit disappointing to me. But as I mentioned in the non or in the non-spoiler section of the review, that getting to see a different kind of character from Andrew was really refreshing because it was something new and unique. Having somebody you like just do the same thing over and over again can become stale. And the fact that this is a type of character unlike anything he's played before is something I'm hoping potentially gets molded into a different character further down the line. But let's actually talk more about the boy. Of course, he is the main character and the lead of the film. So as I mentioned in the non-spoiler section of the review... The there is a, ser <laughs> a spare. There is a fair amount of detail about Boy's character that is shown in the trailer, and I didn't want to give that away because that is one of the unique aspects of the film. Is be when presented with the plot, it does seem to be very simplistic in where this boy's family was killed by the Vanderkoys in this thing they call the culling, which is where they it's essentially like Hunger Games, but way worse, where they just take people they're convinced are trying to destroy the society they live in and they murder them on live television, which happens to be sponsored by the creepiest <laughs> serial mascot that I've ever seen. He's kind of like, honestly, it's funny because having just reviewed one piece, he looks like a one piece character, this pirate, but so boy has been, he's been made deaf. He's been made mute. And of course there's narration and he's convinced that this is, this family had done that to him. He does have, a mental picturing of his sister following him around to give him some sort of interaction where he can actually have a dialogue with the character, which is really fun from time to time. And he was trained by the shaman who's played by Yayan Ruhian, who, of course, you would know from the Raid movies, who is a phenomenal martial artist. I believe he did. Let me just confirm this because I'm fairly certain that this is accurate. Yes, he did show up as with a cameo in Star Wars The Force Awakens and has been in films on and off. He was one of the henchmen that fights Keanu Reeves in John McChapter 3, but it goes without saying if you are not a fan of action cinema that this that Yayan is a stellar martial artist and it's it's a credit to Bill Skarsgård who has not been in a action film of this caliber whatsoever. And clearly has put in the training and the fact that he is able to go toe to toe with Yayan. And I apologize if I'm saying that 
um, incorrectly. I've looked for pronunciations and I couldn't find one. And but regardless, he's boy is able to go toe to toe with a shaman and is on this mission. This has been his life's goal to kill all of the Vanderkois. And as he's continuing along down this mission, he eventually bums into Andrew Koji and Isaiah Mustafa's character. And the funniest thing about Isaiah Mustafa's character is that because Boy gets around and is able to not, I wouldn't even say communicate, but is able to understand what everybody else is saying is through reading lips. And for some reason, he can't read Isaiah Mustafa's lips properly. So anytime we hear Isaiah Mustafa talk, it's complete gibberish and gibberish and just a bunch of random words. And every time they're delivered, it's very funny. And I mentioned the very graphic violence of the film. One of the th elements that I was really happy they managed to balance was in making those scenes very visceral and quite shocking. You need some form of levity to essentially relax the audience for the next crazy action set piece that you're going to have. And having Basho played by Andrew Koji's character be a wild maniac person and then having the misread lips throughout the whole time with Benny played by Isaiah Mustafa that humor works really well and I think that balance is very often not done properly or it's too funny and it undercuts the action but given the fact that they're typically done in different sequences I think the balance really worked well here and I mentioned the plot twists and an element that is presented to you in a way that I don't think you would understand on the first viewing is we see that the shaman is using some form of drug to train boy and it now makes sense having seen the film but he is rewriting his memories it's supposed to be initially it's presented that he's supposed to be getting over this trauma that he's experienced and focus on the mission and the mission is to kill the Vanderkois and the reasoning for that is the shaman's family were actually killed by the Vanderkois and he needed someone to go and kill the Vanderkois for him because he is this wanted criminal who was a was supposed to be killed in in, in the culling their hunger games but the twist that I also like that they added to the film was that Boy is in fact Hilda Vanderkoy, Famke Jansen's son, and through all the drugs and the training has forgotten who he was, even to the fact where the number one soldier for the Vanderkoys, June 27th, is in fact the boy's sister. And I will be totally honest, I think that twist of it being his sister is a lot more telegraphed than the other family twist, which did catch me off guard. But after seeing everything presented in the film and how it manages to lead you to discovering that those that plot reveal, I think it works and it's quite effective. And ultimately, what I liked most about it was given the fact that boy, even though he now knows who he is, he still sees the Vanderkois for what they are. And ultimately, he does not de deal the death blow to Famke Jansen. It's his sister who does it. But they still want to tear down this organization that is ruling the city that they live in. And that the actual big boss fight is with the shaman, which I won't get to yet, but it is absolutely disgusting in terms of the graphic violence that occurs in that. I did mention another fight, and I want to get to that before I forget, which is that there is a fight sequence in this film in which Boy kills an entire kitchen full of staff with nothing but a cheese grater. And that is absolutely disgusting. And the 
visceral nature to which I think everybody who has ever used a cheese grater and had an accident with it would feel while watching this is disgusting. It is as if you took paper cuts between the webbing of your hands and just multiplied that to infinity. It was, while super entertaining, so disgusting. Also disgusting, the final fight with Boy and the Shaman, he gets cut with some sort of... It looks like a bird talon where he gets significant incisions up his arms and his legs. And I am shivering as I say this to you right now. And so that's one element. While somebody who doesn't enjoy that level of graphic violence, I wouldn't say it hurts the film. But the fact that I have a hard time looking at that, I'm certainly gets the point across in the. Not, I wouldn't describe it as insanity, but the the lengths to which boy goes in order to achieve quote unquote the mission that prevents this movie for me at least from being rewatchable i don't want to see those things again there are a lot of other action set pieces that i think are really cool particularly in a in different action sequences we see somebody use a shotgun by bouncing it off the ground and shooting over their shoulder which i thought was really really cool but overall each action set piece is set up in a different environment there's a lot of cool uses of drones where we see boy and benny and basho the resistance take down the culling on tv and ultimately are killing all of the henchmen there there's a lot of awesome stunts used in that and the drone footage that goes all around the environment was really, really cool. And I liked it being used in, in the enclosed space because then you get a real indication of where everyone is and how how closely all of this is happening together to the point where in a different question after the premiere, Moritz said it got so close to somebody it got stuck in their hair. So I'm sure they were very careful with that. Accidents do happen. Nobody was seriously hurt. But the fact that that's how close the drones were getting to capture the footage in that fight sequence is quite significant with how dangerous those things can be. But again, nobody was hurt. I don't want anybody to worry about that. Another sequence that I really enjoyed was the one where we see Boy sneak into the mansion where everybody is supposed to be held for the first time. And his fight that he has with June 27, his sister in the ball the dining room is really cool there's a shot in the trailer if you want to go look at it where he kicks her into the air whoever the stunt actor was who plays june 27 i feel like it's probably somebody i saw on corridor crew but i'm not sure this film did shoot in cape town south africa which is really funny if you did listen to the interview clip that i posted in the episode where i'm sure there's a significant amount of stunt actors we're used to working into that industry in that part of the world in that film industry where warrior shoots there black sales shoots there two shows i was a really big fan of and ironically also one piece which i reviewed last week i don't really know how much i think oh no you know what sorry i apologize i'm kind of going all over the place another element that i really did enjoy with the film and i mentioned the graphic novel nature is there there are flashbacks to set up exactly what was going on prior to the film and Often that can come across as lazy or it was a rewrite where we really need to under make peep the audience understand what's happening. But the fact that it's done with graphic novel art and Bill Skarsgård narration, I really enjoyed those. And the lack of uh, the or the significance of unreality that something like that presents makes 
everything else in the film substantially easier to digest. So overall, I found this to be a wildly entertaining action film, which of course you saw me say on Twitter. But in a world where we are getting more and more of these lower budgeted action films with cool action sequences, I think Boy Kills World manages to stand on its own. And it is certainly a world, I guess pun intended, that I would like to see explored more. Are there other cities that have experienced the same thing as Boy and June 27, his sister, or is this an isolated incident? Or could we possibly see them interact with other cities around the world? Who's to say? I'm not really sure. It's funny that there is a video game referenced in the film, and a sequel to that video game will eventually be released in 2024, which was, I believe it was Dragon Super Punch 2. That may be incorrect, but regardless, it was a really cool name. So, as I mentioned in the non-spoilers, when Boy Kills Boy Kills World, I recommend you check it out. I think it's a lot of fun. It is not for the faint of heart, so if grotesque violence is not your cup of tea, I don't think it would work for you. But with a more recent film that I reviewed, if you enjoyed something like Violent Night, I would highly recommend you check this film out because it is one that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking about as we get less and less films uh, because of everything being delayed, because SAG, unfortunately, was not at the premiere because the studios that made this film do not have an agreement with SAG or the WGA. It would have been really cool to see Andrew Koji and Bill Skarsgård in person, but maybe at another film, maybe at another TIFF premiere. But that will do it for spoilers for Boy Kills World. All we got left for this episode is the outro. I'll see you there. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be reviewing next week. I'm, of course, if you listen to last week's episode, I meant to do Gran Turismo. So if nothing else comes up, that is still currently the plan. But if something pops up that I'm not aware of on streaming, I know the morning show, the first episode of season three comes out this week, but I don't think that there's going to be enough of that for me to talk about. So this is a good opportunity. If you'd like to submit a question for the mailbag, you can tweet at me. That's at Kyle underscore Naranya, that's N-O-R-O-N-H-A, or at Film Realists. All of the socials are linked on my link tree for the podcast. You can reach me there. All Some of the socials are also listed in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening to the Film Realist podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope to see you next week.